Everyone loves to receive gifts. And this season, God has several just for you. Today on Daily in the Word, Dr. Paul Chappell helps us discover God's gracious gifts. How about writing out some spiritual goals for your new year that you look at once a week? Hey, you look at your to-do list and your grocery list and your boss's list, but how about between you and the Lord making some resolutions for your new year that you will check once a week? Well, I want to challenge you, look past the calendar for a minute and look to the Savior. For Christians, Christmas is more than a time of festive celebration. It's a time of reverence and wonder for the God who sent His Son to connect with the human race. The real gift of Christmas is Jesus. Welcome to Daily in the Word. This program features the teaching and preaching of Dr. Paul Chappell, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. In our series, God's Gracious Gifts, Pastor Chapel will take us back to the place where Christ was born and remind us of why He came and what His birth means for us today. And now, here's Pastor Paul Chapel with part one of a message called, A Missing Gift. I want you to see one of the most astounding stories of the early days in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ that we could possibly even consider. That is the fact that there was a moment in time when Joseph and Mary lost all track of the whereabouts of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I wonder, have you ever lost something? Have you ever lost maybe a a special gift uh, that you had intended to give to someone or that you had received from someone? But you know, one of the things that amazes me the most about Christianity is that people who have received Jesus Christ as their Savior, People who claim that Jesus Christ is their everything, their all in all, can sometimes get to a place in their life where they're living life without even thinking about Jesus Christ. Do you ever see that? You see people that are gung-ho and faithful and excited and and, uh, everything is for Jesus and about Jesus and they want to know more about Him. And you see them a decade or two later and Jesus is sort of an afterthought in their life. Jesus is almost as important to them as their career, almost as important to them as uh, some possession that they have. He's really, really important, but he's not everything to them. It's as though they lost the greatest gift that they had ever been given. Reminds me of the two boys who were called in to see the Catholic priest. And they didn't know what it was all about. They just knew they were in trouble again. They sat outside the office of the priest there. And the first boy was called in. And the priest looked at him across the desk. And he said, son, I have a question for you. And uh, the boys hadn't been paying real good attention in their classes. He said, the question for you is this. Where is God? And the little boy thought and thought, and he tried to remember all his answers. He couldn't. And the priest said again, where is God? And the boy thought about it. He got more nervous with every passing minute. The third time the question was asked, where is God? That little fella jumped up. He ran out of that priest's office. He grabbed his friend. His friend said, what's wrong? What's wrong? And the other fellow said, I don't know. They've lost God, and they're trying to pin it on us. Let's get out of here. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I've met some people, theologically, they can't lose their salvation. Thank God for that. But it seems like they've lost the presence of God in their life. 
It seems as though they're living without that initial joy. And I just want to challenge you this morning. Do not rush into the new year without Christ. You say, well, we can't lose our salvation. I understand that no one can pluck us out of the hand of God. I understand we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of God and and how I praise him for that. But I don't want to go on in presumptuousness and taking for granted God's wonderful grace and mercy and living each and every day without thought of him. And we're going to see an illustration of that this morning in the life of Joseph and Mary. As we consider how to move into the new year, I want to challenge you about this subject, how not to travel in the new year or how not to approach your new year. Lessons from Mary and Joseph this morning. The first thing I want to challenge you to do today is to look past the calendar. I want to challenge you in these next few days, as you consider the new year, To think first and foremost, not about the calendar, not about everything that you have to get done. You know, our calendars, they get so very, very full. And uh, sometimes I look at my calendar. How, How many of you are like me? You can get a headache just looking at the calendar. All the things that have to be done and all the things that we keep putting on the calendar. And most of them are important and so forth. But I want to challenge you in the next few days to look past the calendar. Look past the perilous pursuits of that calendar. And I want you to think about, in just a moment, not the calendar itself, but the purpose of life itself, which we'll see in just a moment. When I think about the calendar, I think the calendar represents the procedures of our life. So many times we're putting all the things down procedurally that we need to get done. The Bible speaks of those in this text. Luke chapter 2 and verse 41 says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. The customs and the feasts were a part of the rituals of Jewish life. Every Jewish male three times a year was required to go to these feasts and to reverence and worship God. And here we see the uh, Passover and the unleavened bread. Uh, This particular time was an eight-day ceremony. It was uh, obligatory, if you will, upon the Jewish family. And in the first century, this was a big part of their life. It was something that Definitely had to be on their calendar. Deuteronomy 16, 16 says, Three times in a year shall all thy males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord thy God, which he hath given thee. This was their duty. It was a part of uh, what was upon them. Uh, it, it, it is our duty today to do many things, both religiously and both for our family and for our employers. I recognize that. The Bible, though, admonishes us in James 4, 14. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we will do this or that. And so uh, instead of focusing on the minutia of the calendar, we want to focus on the Lord. And instead of all of the procedural things, uh, we oftentimes need to look up off the horizon of the calendar and look at what matters most. Here we see the procedures of everyday life that were upon Joseph and Mary. That led them to a presumption of his presence. I want you to notice, secondly, the presumption of his presence. Look at verse 43. The Bible says... 
And when they had fulfilled these days and they returned, the child, Jesus, tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. Now, here's what happens when all we're looking at is the calendar. When we're focused on what we've got to do next, I've got to go here, I've got to go there, I've got a soccer league, I've got a doctor's appointment, I've got uh, the dental appointment, I've got to do this for my boss and this for my wife. When all we're doing is focusing on that calendar, then this second step is very easy to come to. And that is we just begin to presume upon the Lord and upon his blessing and upon his presence. If we're not stepping back and saying, what would Jesus have me to do? If we're not focusing on the Lord in the new year, we can lose the Lord in the details of life. We can get so busy doing so many things. And I, I've seen people even in ministry do this. I've seen pastors do this. I've seen good Christians do this. They get so busy doing good things that they aren't really as close to the Lord himself as they should be. And here's a practical example. Joseph and Mary, they were doing good things. They went to the feast of the Passover. They were caravanning back to their home now. And this is how they traveled in the first century. But the Bible tells us that something terrible happened because in verse 44, they supposed him to have been in the company. They presumed upon his presence. They thought he was with them. Suddenly in verse 45, they realize he's gone and they find him not. They, they do not know where the Lord is. And we can all rush into a day or an event without prayer. We can all rush into a new year without prayer, without seeking God's face, without, watch this, opening the calendar and saying, Lord, is this your will for my day, my week, my month, this year? Lord, what's your will here in this matter? We can all get to the place where we're so calendar bound that we're not Christ orientated. We're not seeking him in the midst of all the details that are going to come pressing upon us. I would say to you, and as you have perhaps a day off this week getting ready for the new year, I want to challenge you not only to take the calendar out and get everything on the calendar, but I want to challenge you to talk to the Lord about that calendar. And I want to challenge you to look for Him and seek His face and seek His will for your life in the new year. You see, it's easy to rush into something without making sure that Jesus is there and pleased and present with your direction. And I'm saying it's possible to do that even with the one that we love above all others, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, uh, Jerusalem, even at that time, was a large place, a busy place. We get a little glimpse of that with the Western Wall. And as we get a, a picture of that wall, we see it spanning so high, we begin to realize that all around this ancient city, there were thousands of people. And it would have been very easy to lose track of someone. And so it is in our lives. We drive to L.A., we go to the airport, we go out to Edwards, we, we go all around the Antelope Valley. And we can do that if we're not careful without praying without seeking God's face, without carrying a New Testament or uh, carrying scripture in our, in our wallet or our pocket. It's easy to rush through a schedule and presume that Jesus Christ is pleased with all of it. Harry Ironsides wrote in his commentary on this passage, it is never true that the Lord Jesus Christ leaves those whom he has saved by his grace. 
It is never true that having taken anyone up in his loving kindness, he later forsakes them. But it is sadly true that Christians may go on taking it for granted that they are in fellowship with him when actually they have drifted away from him in their heart. They are not enjoying his presence and they hardly realize their loss. I wonder if there are not some of us here today who have had that experience. It is so easy to go on in an outward form of religiousness and not really enjoy the presence of Christ. It is possible to sit at the table of the Lord and to be conducting services for the Lord and yet not have the presence of the Lord with us. Oh, it is possible to go on day by day thinking everything is all right when in reality things are very, very wrong because we are out of touch with him. Now, when I see Joseph and Mary in my mind, maybe with seven or eight other families, traveling back up to Nazareth, maybe eating some pita bread and talking about the good times and how much fun they had in Jerusalem. When I picture in my mind their little caravan heading along, listen to me, three days into it before they realized that Jesus wasn't there, I can think of my life at times. I can think of a lot of good people that I've pastored over the years who are busy, so busy, but not abiding with Jesus Christ. Getting a lot of good stuff done. Hey, even going to church for eight days. Most of us have never been to church eight days in a row. But still, they forgot the Son of God. And so I challenge you as you consider the new year, before you get into the minutia of it all, look past the calendar and secondly, look for the Savior. Look past the calendar and look for the Savior. All right? Now that's exactly what they had to do. Look at this in verse 45. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem seeking him. All right? Now let's just say for a minute that there are some Christians here today. You had a busy shopping season, a busy holiday season. You've tried to keep the Lord first and foremost. But let's just say for the sake of the illustration that we've gotten a little too busy. And what would God have us to do? And it's right here in verse 45. I want you to read it with me, all right? Ready, begin. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem. One more time now. And when they found him not, they turned. Now watch this, church family. When you are getting into February and March, busy and signing contracts, uh, and, and you're moving along, wait a minute, and, and one day it dawns on you through a preaching message or through your Bible study, you know, I'm not as close to the Lord as I'm supposed to be. I want to give you some counsel for Mary and Joseph. When they found him not, you know what they did? They repented. They turned from one direction to the other, and they got busy looking for Jesus Christ, didn't they? Sometimes you'll get there in your Christian life, where you're going through the motions, but you've got to look 
for the Lord. And the Bible tells us that Joseph and Mary, I mean, from their heart got into this. In fact, in verse 48, it says, when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said, son, why hast thou dealt with us thus? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing, meaning they were astonished. They couldn't believe it. They were, they were awestruck with the fact that this had happened. And I, I think about the great need for all of us to turn around and come back to the Lord and to realize that it's not about the calendar. It's not about checking off our to-do list. It's about walking with Christ in the new year. That's what really counts. And so we look for the Savior. We do that, first of all, with proper direction. It says, they turned back again. They realized that they were going without him. And so they had to turn back to him. And they came back to the place and the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ. I read a Charlie Brown comic where Charlie Brown asked Linus, he said, Linus, what would you do if you felt that nobody liked you? And Linus responded, well, Charlie Brown, I guess I would take a real hard look at myself. Ask if I am doing anything that turns people off. How could I improve myself? Do I need to change in some way? That's what I would do, Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown answered, I hate that answer. (laughs) Now, the fact is that all of us will ask counsel from time to time. But when the answer is, you know what you need to do? You need to change some things in your life. Most people say, that's not the counsel I was looking for. You see. The fact of the matter is, there was only one choice to make when they realized their direction was wrong, and that was to change direction. That was to turn around. That was to repent and get back to Jerusalem and find the Lord Jesus Christ. John Locke said, I have always thought that the actions of men are the best interpreters of their thoughts. The actions of men are the best interpreters of their thoughts. Listen, I've had folks tell me uh, what they think or what they feel and uh, how close they are to God and how good their attitude is and all this type of thing. But their actions were betraying their thoughts. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And here we see the actions of Joseph and Mary showed us their heart and that was to get back to where the Lord Jesus Christ really was. That involves turning from sin. That involves in our lives being willing to turn from that which took us away from Christ in the first place. The Bible speaks of it. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will uh, forgive their sin and will heal their land. Uh, sometimes just going along and we get a little farther from the Lord, a little farther from the Lord. All of a sudden, uh, we're doing things we would not have done when we were back there close to the Lord. We're thinking things we would not have done. We're allowing sin into our life. I read this past week that the average American teenage girl during her teenage years will view 1,500 references to sexual activity on television annually, according to a Michigan State University study. Boys of that same age will see 1,300 such and will attend 17 rated R movies during that same period of time in their life. I don't know how to tell you this, folks, but if you're presuming that you can just go on your merry way with that level of activity and that level of viewership and just kind of doing that, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're getting farther and farther away from Jesus on that path. 
And sometimes to get back with the Lord, we've got to do what Joseph and Mary did. We've got to be astonished that we got so far from him and turn from that direction and get back to where we're closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it means turning from sin. Sometimes it means turning from idolatry. 1 John 5, 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. And in those days, certainly that was the pull, the paganism uh, from the various uh, cultures around them. And in our situation, many times it's the culture within us that pulls us. Sometimes it's wickedness. Sometimes it's just uh, frivolity and wastefulness of time. I read this past week that the average Facebook user spends 55 minutes per day looking into Facebook. 55 minutes. I'm not saying Facebook is a sin. I'm saying this, spending hours and hours and hours on Facebook when you're not looking at his book, my friends, that's a sin. And in this day of just kind of surfing the net, in this day of narcissism where everybody's an expert, where everybody who's never built anything wants to criticize everybody who's building something, in this day when people are hooking up with friends from 30 years ago that they have no business communicating with, in this day when a lot of the counseling we have to do, the sin began over the internet. I'm just simply saying it might be for some today traveling this direction and getting farther away from Jesus that we need to turn back around and come back to a closer relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn from sin, turn from idolatry. Sometimes we need to turn from the hindrances uh, that just seem to pull us away from the Lord. Hebrews 12, 1 says it this way. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Listen, we have a race to run this year and it's not a race with the calendar. I've got to tell you, I've never won a race with the calendar. The race that I have this year is a race that follows the Lord Jesus Christ and his will for my life. And so I must follow him with proper direction. Secondly, I must follow him with proper focus, with proper focus. For the Bible says in verse 45, two very important words here. It says seeking him. Would you say that please? Seeking. Boy, there was one, one goal they had when they realized and, and, and imagine, hey, imagine, okay, losing our kids, that's terrible. How about losing the Son of God? Imagine what that must have felt like. And, and they were seeking Him with all their heart. Psalm 27, 8, when thou said, seek ye me, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy Lord, I will seek, you see, thy face, I will seek. Jonathan Edwards, the 18th century revivalist, at age 17 sat down and he penned 21 resolutions for his life. By the end of his life, they had become 70 resolutions. And I'm not against resolutions. In fact, I've already begun writing mine. Some people just despairingly say, I don't write resolutions. I never keep them. Let me tell you something. He who aims at nothing hits it every time. Right? I'd rather set 10 and, and hit six than set zero and hit none. And Jonathan Edwards, he set uh, 70 resolutions, but I want to read you the first one. This was his very first resolution at age 17. Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat him by his grace to enable me to keep these resolutions. 
remember to read over these resolutions once a week. Once a week, he did a self-check and he asked the Lord by his grace to help him to maintain these resolutions as he sought to please the Lord with his life. What I'm saying to you is he was serious about his walk with God. How about writing out some spiritual goals for your new year that you look at once a week? You've been listening to Daily in the Word with Dr. Paul Chapel, pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church and president of West Coast Baptist College in Lancaster, California. If you'd like to connect with Pastor Chapel on Facebook or Twitter, go to paulchapel.com and click on his social media links. You can also receive this entire series of messages to help you in your spiritual journey when you make a donation to this ministry. Get yours right now by calling 800-688-6329. We hope today's message has encouraged you. Dr. Chapel has served as the pastor of Lancaster Baptist Church for more than 30 years, and he is the author of many books. But most of all, he has a passion and love for you. If you've been helped through Dr. Chapel's ministry, he'd love to hear your story. Visit us on our website today where you can listen to today's entire message, connect with us, and sign up for Pastor Chapel's Daily in the Word email devotional. Visit us at dailyintheword.org. And thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us next time as we continue to discover God's answers for today's challenges here on Daily in the Word.